Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guests, but first, let's hear from our podcast sponsors. We want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs for their support. You know, Wall of Fame is on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history, along with your proudest moments, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or learn more and get started with your digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589 or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank our good friends at Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. To learn more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your program, go to hometownticketing.com. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year, bringing excitement to the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and find out what these fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. They sponsor the 80s toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also puts you in touch with the 95% of the families who really love your program, and it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack at athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the pros at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic department from good to great. And we want to thank Violet Defense for their support. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products, or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense as the solutions and the experience you need. Go to violetdefense.com for more information about their great products.
Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going to Maryland and the D.C. area today, and we're going to visit with Patty Medina. Patty is the Associate Athletic Director at Hartford Community College. Uh, really just got started with that position, so we're excited to hear what's going on. She's also the founder of what's called the Hooper Mentality Foundation, and she's going to talk about that a little bit later. And then if she didn't have enough on her plate, She's currently in the process of completing her doctoral studies during that PhD in psychology and mental health. Wow, full plate, definitely. Patty Medina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here and, uh, you know, share my, my journey in uh, the athletic director world. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, we connected like, you know, a lot of people do these days, uh, you know, through LinkedIn and uh, wanted to get you on the podcast and, and kind of share the things that you uh, have been doing. So let's go and get started. We always like to let our uh, listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, you know, where you went to school and college and, and kind of the path that's brought you now to, um, you know, create Hooper Mentality and also work at Hartford Community College. Yeah, so um, crazy story, just it, the immigrant story. You know, I was born in Mexico. I grew up in, um, sorry about that. I was born in Mexico, grew up in uh, San Diego. And, um, you know, funny story is that everybody, nobody really knows, not until I got older, nobody really knew that I was an illegal immigrant until I was 17. And so when I was in high school, college was not something that we considered because at the time we didn't have the resources that students now have, you know, like the DREAM Act and, and uh, all these opportunities that allow students, immigrant students to go to college. And so it was never anything that I really like set my heart on because I didn't want to be disappointed and not be able to go because I didn't have, you know, my social security number and things like that. And so it wasn't until like three months before my 18th birthday, my dad ended up studying, taking the test and naturalized. And so because I was under 18, um, I was able to obtain U.S. citizenship. And so I ended up pretty much just going up to whatever university uh, I had been accepted to. And at that time, it was Dominican University. So I went to Dominican University in the Bay Area. I went there for a year. And I was getting ready to play on their basketball team. And then I decided like most students to buy myself a car. <laughs> so I uh, bought a car and I wanted to, you know, just, I don't know why I wanted to have a car payment. So I ended up having a car payment. And next, you know, I ended up, you know, becoming an adult sooner than I wish I would have. And I try to tell these young, young uh, adults now, like don't be in a rush to be an adult, you know? And so ended up moving back to San Diego finished my studies at San Diego State, but when I moved back, my uh, high school coach asked if I wanted to coach middle school basketball. Since I wasn't playing, I wasn't going to play at San Diego State, so he was like, you know, do you want to coach? And so I started coaching, and at the time, I was 17, 18 years old, and I was coaching, you know, 14, 15-year-olds, and so it was one of those things where it became a sisterhood for me, and I fell in love with coaching, um, I enjoyed coaching more than I did playing. And so I realized at a very young age that I wanted to continue to be a coach, you know, and I wanted to move up the ranks 
and just continue to be a mentor to these young ladies. And so I did it the grassroots way because I don't have college planning experience. You know, I had to really show my work ethic and and know my, and show my knowledge. You know, a lot of times when you play at the collegiate level, a lot of these opportunities are presented to you because you played, you know, but I didn't play. I didn't play collegiate basketball. And so I really had to, you know, go the nitty gritty grind. And uh, I coached middle school for a couple of years and I did JV for a couple of years. And then I became a uh, practice player and volunteer coach for a junior college. And so I started as a practice player volunteer coach for a junior college. And then from there, they were like, hey, you're here as much as our assistant coaches, if not more. Do you want to get on staff? And so I ended up on the staff. And that's when my, my collegiate coaching career began. I was at the junior college level for six years as a coach. And then um, when I turned 30, I had the opportunity to become a, a head coach. And so I was head coach at an NCCAA institution. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's it's the yeah. Christian college. Yeah, so I was at the NCCAA institution. Um, another grind, you know, I didn't, we didn't have the resources that a lot of schools have. We didn't have a gym. We didn't have a practice facility. We didn't have any of those resources. And so I really learned how to grind even as a head coach. So, um, Fast forward, I ended up being a, a college head coach for three years, and then uh, the upside of the upside of uh, the sports world is, you know, when there's a change in leadership, there's change in in uh, in staffing, and so one thing led to another. I ended up in Texas as an assistant coach at Our Lady of the Lake University, which is a, an amazing institution. Ended up there for a year, and. By then, I'm also a mom, so I'm also a single mom. And uh, so by the time my son was getting ready to start middle school, I told myself I needed to take a break from coaching just because of the time commitment. And so I knew that I didn't want to be out of sports completely. And so then I had an opportunity to um, interview and apply for a position as an assistant athletic director at a high school out here in Maryland. And so I ended up taking that. And then from there, um, my athletic director there is super supportive, just poured into me. And he says, this isn't your last stop. You need to, you know, keep moving up, keep moving up. And so um, here I am at Hartford. So it's it's definitely, um, I'm sure any coach that, any former coach that is listening right now, they know that any opportunity with coaching requires getting up, not any and every, but most of the time you're required to get up, uproot and, you know, move to another city, wherever opportunity comes, you, you kind of go as a coach. And so it's, uh, it's great to have an idea of stability. It's great to have, um, just be in a position where I know that I can be here, you know, for a while. Oh, just, I always love to hear the stories and you brought up a, a, a couple of, I think, really important points for our listeners, particularly those younger ADs that might be listening or coaches. Um, you know, you talked about um, you getting started really at, at a very young level, you know, uh, you know, just out of high school and college. And those experiences can really be, you know, foundational and, and life-changing um, building blocks for, you know, any coach. And it's, you know, the message is take advantage of those opportunities when they're presented. Um, you also brought up the idea of, you know, 
being willing to maybe step outside your comfort zone, travel across the country. Uh, I look at my own path, uh, you know, growing up in Oregon, um, you know, I moved all over climbing that ladder within the state because I wanted to be a, a high school head coach and, and at a big school and went from small school to middle school to big school and then wanted to be a college coach and went from Oregon to Missouri to Vermont to uh, North Florida to San Jose, California to Arkansas mm -hmm. and then finally settling the last 20 years uh, in Florida. But again, great experiences, great opportunities. And, you know, you've certainly, you know, been a great representative of that, of uh, you talk about the grind. Uh, the other part of that is embracing the grind. Yeah, you've certainly right. done that. Let's talk a little bit about some of those experiences. You know, you mentioned, you know, working, it, it certainly wasn't division one, but still college athletes and competitive. Talk about some of the uh, uh challenges you know working let's say at a, at a non-division one school that uh it, it's not all glamour uh, again i coached some small college for several years uh but share with our listeners what are some of the challenges it's great to be a college coach but there's also some challenges that go with it yeah and um interesting enough is that when i was a young and I wanted to become a head coach, I kept telling myself, I want to be a head coach before I turn 30, before I turn 30. And so I ended up getting this job literally like a month before my 30th birthday. But um, <clears throat> now in retrospect, my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My, not overbearing, my, uh, just my excitement to become a head coach. I've really sold myself short and accepted like at that point, any opportunity that was coming, you know, because my, everyone's feedback was, all you need is to get your foot in the door. All you need is to get your foot in the door, which I get it, but I wish somebody would have told me you deserve better or, or told me like, this is your worth, ask for it, you know, because, um, you know, just fully transparent. My first college head coaching job, I made $8,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I made $8,000 a year and it, I was working two full-time jobs. I was working a graveyard shift and a daytime shift and coaching and being a single mother, you know? So it got to the point where like, it was overwhelming and the people that, you know, were my mentors at the time were saying like, oh, you know, well, when I started, you know, I, I didn't make any money either. And, you know, this is, this is how you grind. This is how you go up. And now in retrospect, I'm like, I wish somebody would have told me like, hey, walk into that office, know what you bring to the table, know what you can do to this program and ask for what you think you deserve. And it didn't have to be $50,000, $60,000 a year, but I mean, enough for me to not have to work, you know, two full-time jobs and coach at the same time. So um, one thing, that's the word, overzealous. I was very overzealous when I wanted to become a head coach. And like I said, there's a lot of coaches right now that are taking very, uh, just they're taking offers that they, in the back of their mind, know that it's it's pretty much like free labor at that point, you know? And it's one of those things that for me, um, I was nervous, I was young, I had no like sense of confidence to walk into an office and say, hey, this is what I'm doing around the clock. This is what I'm doing on, even for the second year, because I was at that school for two years. Like 
I could have walked into that office after having brought in, you know, 14 players and getting division one guaranteed games and bringing in revenue and all that. I could have, had I had the right mentorship, I could have walked into that office and said, hey, this is what I did in a year with little to no resources. Imagine what I can do for this institution if you guys actually helped me with some resources, you know? And so uh, one thing that I, uh, I have a mentor of mine, she's a college, she's still a division one coach. And we used to, I used to play against her. We used to coach against each other. She was at Vanguard. Um, Jana, 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 I always say Jana, it's Jana. And um, she was like, Patty, I swear you can turn water into wine. <laughs> you know, and she was like, the things you're doing with this program, she's like, your record, you know, we were winning some games, we were losing some, we were getting our butts kicked. But at the end of the day, like those girls played hard. And so those, that was one of the things that I realized is like, you know, the right people will see your work ethic, the right people will honor your work ethic. And the right people won't make you feel like you're tooting your own horn for asking for what you deserve, you know? And so um, I wish that's something that someone would have told me, you know, at a, at a young age, because that's not to say I wouldn't have taken those opportunities. I probably still would have, but I would have known that, hey, the things that you're bringing to the table, not a lot of people can do this, you know? And so you should be able to ask for more. And and I didn't have that confidence and I didn't feel like I had that backup, you know? So that was one of the things that for me growing up, like I said, we take opportunity wherever we, wherever we can get it, you know? And if you're a hard worker and you have this strong drive, you're gonna make do with whatever you have, right? You're gonna make do with whatever you have. And I think there's a lot of institutions that take advantage of that. You know, they take advantage of the fact that, hey, if we pay this coach the minimum, he's still going to go above and beyond. So why not keep it at that? You know, and it's like at the end of the day, that's what we're judged on is like the wins and losses. But you start to realize like, hey, they um, they're putting in a lot of work, you know. And so in the 16 years that I coached, I not once had a female athletic director. So not once did I have someone that I could go into their office and bounce off ideas or say, hey, this is how I'm feeling like, you know, whatever it may be. And so for me, when I decided to make that transition, it was like, I want to be, I want to represent the women that I didn't know. I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have that representation. I didn't have anyone to advocate for me. So um, that's definitely, like I said, the grind is, is a gift and a curse because, you know, you do so much with so little but at the same time, we get used to doing that. You know, we get used to doing that, that it just, it becomes our MO. So it's like, hey, we're going to make do regardless of whether we get paid or not, you know, but at the end of the day, like we should be able to know what we bring to the table and, and make sure that it's acknowledged, you know? No, absolutely. You brought <laughs> up several really good points there. You hit on the one again, know your worth. Uh, right. And again, you're not going to go in there and, and, and dictate market conditions but you know what, you know, you need to survive. You also need to know what it's going to take for you to thrive in that situation. Uh, and again, the, the colleges, as you alluded to, uh, they know um, that there's a bunch of coaches out there uh, that want that job. And so, you know, treading that fine line, that tightrope between, hey, I really want this job. In some cases, I really need this job, uh, but also being an advocate for yourself 
those are definitely tools that need to go in the toolbox. For our listeners, we're visiting with Patty Medina. She's the Associate Athletic Director at Harford Community College in the D.C. area, also the founder of the Hooper Mentality Foundation. We're going to hear about both of those, but let's take a quick break and hear from our podcast sponsors. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Huddle for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. More than 180,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to help their teams play better through video and analytics. Huddle's the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, of course there's analytics, and a whole lot more. Huddle's built for every level of play, from club and youth teams, up through high school and college programs, and even professional teams are using Huddle to help their teams play better. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and the coaches of the teams you're trying to get to recruit your kids. You wanna find out more about what Huddle can do for you and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. Hey, we're back with Patty Medina, the Associate Athletic Director at Harford Community College in uh, the DC area. Patty, uh, you recently uh, took a position uh, as the Associate AD, and I'm gonna have you share a little bit about that, but first, uh, in the previous segment, you talked about one of your mentors. And in our profession, as you really did a great job of describing, mentoring is so important. So who are some of the other mentors that you've had in your life that have helped you along the way and helped you get to where you're at today? Yeah, I'm a strong believer that mentors come in all ages. So I have mentors that are older than me, mentors that are my age, and I even have mentors that are younger than me. Um, especially during these changing times and social media times, you know, it's important to have mentors that you trust with, you know, social media or marketing. And, you know, I have mentors that help me with that aspect. I have mentors that help me with my professional life and also, uh, you know, my, the, being a mother. So like I have mentors in, in different areas. One of my main mentors is, um, is actually a friend of mine who was a uh, teammate of mine in high school. And so she was a teammate of mine in high school. She ended up playing basketball at Grossmont College in San Diego, and then ended up playing at UC San Diego and they won the NCAA championship there. And just over the years, we've evolved together as, as professionals and as obviously as friends, but we bounce off ideas. Um, she was a, a very crucial part in the start of Hooper Mentality, which, you know, we'll talk about later. But um, like I said, she's a colleague of mine and it's it's important for me to have people that have been with me since I was young and also people that I just met. Um, another mentor of mine is um, Clyde. He's, uh, I can never pronounce his last name, Dowdy, Clyde Dowdy. He's the athletic director at Bowie State. And so when I decided to make the transition from 
coaching to you know college admin i reached out to different people especially on linkedin so linkedin is it for me is one of my favorite social media outlets because i've made amazing connections even with you like that's how we connected very important in my transgression as an athletic director and so um, i met clyde via social media we built a, a relationship a professional relationship and then when I did move out to the DMV area, I asked if I could come into his office and just pick his brain about the career, you know, and he was like, of course, we came in, we were having great conversations. And then when I had the interview for this job, um, I was given scenarios that I was supposed to respond to and answer to. And obviously, I knew the right answer, but I wanted the correct answer as far as like the athletic director answer. And so I called them and I was like, hey, I'm having an anxiety attack because <laughs> these prompts, you know, these prompts are overwhelming and I know what to say, but I want to make sure that I say the right things. Like, what are the right, uh, what's the right process, you know? And so I met up with him. We had a sit down. He told, I read to him the prompt. He asked me what, what I thought was my answer. And then he said, yes, this is right or no, this is right, you know? And so um, anytime there's a situation, and obviously he's at, at the Division Two NCAA level, and he's at an HBCU, so they deal with different stuff. But at the same time, it's still an athletic department, you know, and you're you're handling similar situations. And so he's been very crucial in my athletic director position. Um, another one who I also met on LinkedIn was Patrick Curry. He's the men's uh, basketball head coach and one of the assistant athletic directors down in St. Thomas in Florida. And uh, when I initially met him, he was here in, in the DMV area, in the DC area at Washington Adventist. And so same thing, I was bouncing you know, ideas off of, his, off of him. And one of the things that I realized is that when I decided to transition into athletic admin, I kept feeling like, oh, all I did was coach. You know, I was just, I was a coach. I, all I did was coach. And he was just like, what do you mean? Like you ran these programs by yourself. Like you were practically your own SID. You were practically like, you know, literally doing everything that an AD would do or supervise. So you're more than willing, more than capable, more than apt to become an AD. And so when that imposter syndrome was kicking in, you know, these mentors come very in handy because they'll speak life into you and they will motivate you and they'll remind you of you know what you bring to the table so those two and and those two were very important in my life as far as like my my transition from coaching to you know athletic director and then my other mentor who's younger than me uh is anessa wolf black she's actually the assistant coach at san diego christian college and so she's a former player of mine um and you know took the coaching route as well so we bounce off ideas off of her and um you know, she tells me her being a young coach, you know, she tells me the struggles that she's going through. And I kind of get to reaffirm her like, hey, we all went through those struggles. We all went through those struggles and um, and vice versa. You know, she'll hype me up. She's like my my personal hype man and I'm hers. And so it's, it's pretty awesome to have people like that in your life that will just speak life into you. So I'm all about mentorships. Um, I read books. I listen to audio books about mentorship, you know, and it's important to be able to do that for others so and i've also had the honor of being a mentor for others 
And so great that you have that ongoing relationship. It's not, you know, a mentor from 10 or 20 years ago that they're still very much part of your life. And again, you brought up another great point about preparing for the interview. Uh, I've done that a number of times with other, you know, athletic directors or coaches, you know, we've done kind of that mock interview and it's not so much uh, a right or a wrong answer. It's, you know, expressing yourself, uh, you know, articulating whatever point uh, you want to share and then, you know, defending it. Uh, and just, you know, that practice is, is always a good thing. Very cool stuff. Uh, as yeah. I mentioned, you just recently took your current position as the associate AD at Hartford Community College. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the program. Uh, what are some things that drew you to the school? What are some things you're excited about doing? Um, you know, uh, not everyone's had that position at a, at a college or a community college level. Uh, what's it like? Um, it's so today's the start of week three. So I've been here. This is my the start of my third week. And um, I love it. I love it. Um, the more I get to meet the coaches, the more I get to talk to the coaches about their goals and, you know, their their teams, the more I fall in love with it. And so uh, one of the exciting things about Hartford is that when I interviewed, they were very um, specific about what the expectations were coming in. You know, the interview process was very specific. The interview process was very detailed. And then not only that, once I got here, um, they made me feel very comfortable in a sense that, hey, we want a woman in, in this position. Like we want a woman and a woman of color and we're gonna support her as long as, <clears throat> you know, she continues to support our program. And so Ed Leash is my athletic director um, he and I, he's, he's an advocate for women in sports. He's an advocate for women in leadership positions. And so um, he's been, you know, speaking life into me as far as like, uh, you know, I'll have, I'll ask him something. And like, part of me wants to ask for permission for everything. And he's like, Patty, that's just going to make us look good. Like, you don't have to ask me for permission. Like, you're good. Like, just if you think it's right, and it's going to help the program, by all means, go ahead, you know, and so but a lot of times, like I said, we we uh, underestimate ourselves or we question ourselves, and and so that was one of the things that for me was very important. That as I met Ed through the interview process, I realized like, hey, he's gonna back me up, he's gonna support me, and um, he's gonna support women in the leadership. And so, um, in the two weeks that I've been here, one of the main things that one of my main goals was to have one on one with the coaches. And so, as I mentioned, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and uh, and podcasts. And so, one of the audiobooks that I was listening to, it's, it's called uh, Habits for Greatness. And so, it talks about how how to be a leader, how to get embedded in a new in a new organization. And so, one of the one of the best practices per se that they were talking about was building rapport, right? Building rapport because you don't want the first time you interact with someone to be a negative reason you know you don't want it to be a reason as to like I don't want the first time I meet the tennis coach for me to tell the tennis coach that she went over her hours you know or that she wasn't supposed to be in the office or whatever like I want to be able to build rapport with the coaches so that when I do have to interact with them in, a, in another way then they know that it's coming from a a place of honest and and truth you know it's not just oh she's attacking me or she doesn't like me, you know, they know, they know that I like them because we've had plenty of conversations before anything came up, you know, 
So that was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I built rapport and that I met all the coaches. And I've been able to do that for the most part, obviously being being with this COVID era, we're 50-50. So half of us are on campus, the other half work remote. And then we take turns. So some people like I miss them because the days that I'm remote, they're on campus and vice versa. But I've been able to build that rapport with them. And so that was one of the main things for me, like going into the first couple of weeks, that was like on my first 30 day plan was like meet all the coaches, meet all the staff. Um, I reached out to other departments, you know, the finance department, the accounting, the admissions, the, uh, the counselors, just everyone that if you if you've coached, you know that you these relationships are make or break a program, you know, and so you know that if if you're not friends with financial aid or that you don't have that rapport with financial aid, like it's going to be hard to ask for like, hey, we need her paperwork right now. Like, can you do that for us? You know, it's like so a lot of times it's important to build that rapport because, um, you know, you're you're able to help each other out, you know, and especially for me, like that's something that I love doing. I love reaching out. I love um, getting to know people in other departments. And then not only that, like asking how I can be a service to them like what can I do at, in our department of athletics what can we do to make your job easier you know and so um, I've gotten great feedback um, I had the mayor of Bel Air like reach out he's like hey I heard that you you know you're the new associate athletic director like you know whatever the town can do for you like let us know so it, it's they've taken me in with open arms you know but I think a lot of times the energy, not I think, I know that the energy you put out is the energy you get in return. And so I've been trying to, good vibes only. <laughs> no, you, uh, uh, let's see, come on. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, yeah, I actually hit my mute button. I am a professional podcaster. Um, <laughs> one of the best things I ever did in taking a new job was exactly what you just articulated. I, I met with every single coach. It was during the summer, so we had time. And the first thing I said to them was, how can I make your job easier? And it uh, earned me so much trust right out of mm -hmm. the chute. They said, no, no one's ever asked this before. Uh, right. And so great, not because I did it, but great, great idea. You know, way, <laughs> to, uh, way to come in there and hit the ground running. For our listeners, uh, we are visiting with Patty Medina. She's the Associate Athletic Director at Harford Community College in the D.C. area. Uh, she's also the founder of the Hooper Mentality Foundation. And we're going to hear some more about that when we come back after this next break. So please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department these days, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year, while also creating excitement in the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. You've heard me mention that we have a Sideline Interactive score table in our gym, and it is fantastic. We use it for games, of course, but we also use it for pep rallies. We use it for signing ceremonies. It's a tremendously versatile tool. Uh, if you want to find out more about their great products, go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and you can see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them 
at sales at sidelineinteractive.com for more information. At sales at sidelineinteractive.com. I promise you, you will be very impressed. We're back with Patty Medina from Harford Community College, where she's the Associate Athletic Director. Another thing that really stuck out for me, Patty, from uh, your LinkedIn profile was the Hooper Mentality Foundation. And I went on the website, I looked at a little bit, some really cool stuff, but share with our listeners, uh, what is the Hooper Mentality Foundation? Why'd you start it uh, and how it, uh, how it works? Thank you, yes. Um, that's something that I'm very proud of, especially because it really kept me afloat during my COVID time away from coaching. I was able to channel, you know, everything that I normally channeled into my coaching career, I was able to channel it into my nonprofit. And so uh, what it is, is Hooper Mentality, we provide basketball camps throughout the United States and Mexico. And throughout these camps, we provide opportunities for the student athletes to become more aware about mental health, right? So we talk about triggers, we talk about coping mechanisms, we talk about different um, ways that they can learn how to work out and exercise the mental health aspect of it, you know, and so a lot of times as coaches, we say the game is 80% mental, 20% physical, but in all actuality, how many times or how often do coaches really exercise the mental aspect of, you know, athletics, and so um, the way it came about was when I was coaching, or in the 16 years that I've been coaching, or that I was coaching, um, I had four players commit suicide. And so for me, it was something that I felt like, what could I have done better? You know, why didn't they reach out? Why couldn't they come and talk to me? You know, why couldn't they um, just, why was that the outcome, you know? And so it wasn't until the fourth um, player that passed away, I had a conversation with her mom and we had literally seen her at the alumni game, maybe like a month before. And then when I found out that she had passed away, I met with her mom and I kept apologizing. I kept saying, you know, I'm sorry, I could have done more. Like as a co I failed her as a coach because I didn't provide her with these opportunities, you know, to be able to not feel so helpless, you know? And so she, one thing that she said to me um, that really resonated with me and that really changed the trajectory of, of my purpose was she said, Patty, she's gone. There's nothing you can do about it now, but there's a lot you can do to make sure that she's the last one, you know, make sure that she's the, the last one um, of your girls that, that feels that way, you know? And so, um, yeah, it just sat with me and I was just like, I got to do something. I got to do something. So then when I went um, over, during the summer, I went to the Nike, the Nike coaching clinic. And I went to a Nike coaching clinic and there was a women's, uh, women in sports coaching Nike clinic. And um, there they talked about, there they talked about the resources that these division one schools have. And so UCLA was one of the presenters and they were talking about how at UCLA, um, the athletic programs have like their own mental health therapists. Like, you know, most programs at the division one level, like each team has their own like sports psychologist or their own sports therapist or mental health therapist, or they have an athletic one, right? 
And so I said, well, imagine if we had that at the elementary school or at the middle school or even at the high school level, like this is where we need to really help these young athletes. Because by the time they get to college, like, you know, they're all messed up in the head. Like they, they have to fight so many demons in order to be productive on the court. And so we ended up um, literally left that conference, super empowered, um, went out uh, to eat with a friend and like literally at the place where we were sitting, we were eating. And I was like, what should we, what should we do? What should we do? Like, there's something we need to do. And so then that's when we decided like, Hey, let's start this organization that provides an, you know, that's an initiative that provides um, mental health awareness for student athletes at a young age. And we can connect with sports psychologists. We can connect with mental health therapists. We can connect with all these people that work in the field, you know, that are knowledgeable and that are certified that can come in and help these young men and women like in the, um, you know, low income areas. And so it started as a podcast, uh, not a podcast, but a video series. So we had a video series where people would share like their struggles with mental health. And then, and then it started as, and then we continued as a basketball camp. And then within the camps, we would do yoga, meditation, talk about triggers, talk about mental health awareness and things like that. And then that developed into a whole nother level of, you know, just reaching out to other, other uh, therapists and talking to therapists throughout the, throughout the COVID time. So we had Zoom therapy sessions and things like that. So long story short, we ended up having this whole community outreach initiative. And at the time we didn't have any apparel, like we didn't have, we, I had a Hooper mentality shirt, like my coaches had a Hooper mentality shirt, but I was on, uh, I was in New York and I was on a train and I had my Hooper mentality hoodie. And this gentleman was like, hey, I like your hoodie. I'm like, thanks, you know, and he was like, what is that? And so we started talking and kid you not, like he started telling me how he was struggling, how he struggled with depression, how he had suicidal tendencies. And so he's just having this full on conversation with me and it all started because of the hoodie. So then I called my, my coaches that work with me and I'm like, hey, are you guys getting like the same response from these hoodies? And they're like, yeah, like I've been having such candid and transparent conversations with like complete strangers because of this hoodie. And I was like, I didn't really want to be an apparel company, but hey, let's let's get this hoodie out even more if it's going to provide people an opportunity to talk about their depression and their mental health, you know. And so sure enough, um, we decided to launch. We launched um, for on a three-day weekend because, again, like I don't want to be an apparel company. So we only do like sales for like three days at every like few months. We haven't had a sale in about a year. And I keep getting people like asking like, hey, when can we get hoodies, you know, but um, so we had a sale and we ended up selling like 450 items in, in like three days, you know, and so, and we did that about four more times and each time we just kept getting more and more sales. And the cool part was that all the proceeds from those sales really just, um, got poured right back into the, the camps and the initiatives that we were doing as a nonprofit. So it helped the nonprofit because we didn't have to ask for donors. We didn't have to ask for sponsorship. Like this money was coming in through, through this apparel. So. It was super awesome. And like I said, with my transition from coaching to athletic admin, I haven't really done too much with it. Um, our last event was the sneaker ball. We had a sneaker ball where we had um, 
a gala and everybody showed up in, in their, you know, their dresses and sneakers and then they donated shoes and then we were able to donate those to uh, homeless shelters or other organizations that deal with homeless shelters. So it's, it's, it's a huge initiative that it has like, it's like a, a, an octopus of initiatives because it has so many areas that we work with, but all in all, the, the gist of it is that the more we can help bring awareness to mental health for our student athletes, the more we're doing our job. And so it's awesome. I'll have to send you a hoodie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, it's it, like I said, it's awesome. And, and I love it. And um, everywhere that I work now, like even here with at Hartford, you know, they know about Hooper mentality. So like it's on my it's even on my bio for for Hartford, you know, because they want me to implement it wherever I work. And so that was one of the things for me, too, that once I started Hooper mentality, I told myself that I won't work anywhere that won't allow me to apply you know, the things that we do through Hooper Mentality that won't let me apply into the school. And so here I have the support from Ed that he wants us to do camps. He wants us to do these initiatives on campus through Hooper Mentality. So I'm super excited that I can implement both the athletic director position and the Hooper Mentality um, events into, into the same school. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, I can imagine. And mental health is such an important part, as you mentioned, uh, of today's training. And I know where your website is. So I'll go, I'll order my own uh, hoodie to contribute to the uh, cause. Uh, but for our listeners who don't know, tell them the website, and then we'll do this again at the end. But uh, tell them how to reach out and, and pick your brain uh, a little bit. How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, like we don't have the hoodies on sale year round. Um, we'll only do like three. Yeah, we'll only do like a three day sale every so often. Um, I've told myself that I've, I'm giving myself until April to like be fully, not fully, but mostly established here so that I can do that as well. Um, so we're hoping to have our next sale and our first sale since 2020 have it um, around spring break. So around spring break, we'll be having the hoodies available, but the website is hoopermentality.com. Um, I am reached, I, I can be reached on LinkedIn, Patty Medina, on Instagram, coach.patty, uh, Twitter, Coach P. Medina, and, uh, and my email, coachpmedina at gmail. Like these are things, like I said, I want to be able to, if I can make anyone's path to becoming an AD easier, and and keep them from having to go through you know some of the stuff that I went through. I am more than open to have any candid conversations with anybody. So uh, again, we'll we'll go over those emails and the website again, but uh, HooperMentality.com. That's pretty easy to uh, remember. For our listeners, we're visiting with Patty Medina, Associate Athletic Director at Harford Community College in the D.C. area, and also the founder of the Hooper Mentality Foundation. We're going to be back with some more. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they are on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles, along with an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or learn more and get started with your own digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589 or you can email them at sales 
at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. You won't be disappointed. All right, we're back with Patty Medina, Associate AD at Hartford Community College. Coach, uh, we've been asking our guests uh, for the past several uh, months uh, this question that kind of revolves around uh, coaching toughness. A uh, hundred years ago when I was in school, you know, it was very common uh, for my coaches to say, come on, Jake, you got to be tough. Come on, Jake, you got to suck it up. And I think over the years since then, you know, we've learned, you know, maybe better ways to, to try and, and coach it. So my question to you is, how can a coach or an athletic director uh, expect, you know, their kids or their coaches, you know, to be tough while also being aware of the very real social emotional challenges that let's say a generation Z kid is, is experiencing. Do you have any advice for us? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the main things too, that, and you know, I, I when I grew up a hundred years ago as well, uh, we had a lot of parents that were just tell us to suck it up or even coaches would say, Hey, just suck it up. You're fine. You're suck it up. You know? And as we became parents, we realized that these are some cycles that aren't very healthy, you know, and that we need to be able to learn how to use our words, that we need to be able how to express what we're feeling without just shutting down or with just compartmentalizing these emotions. And then later they become traumas or later they become, you know, these internalized issues as we become older. And so uh, one of the main things that I've noticed um, that helps, you know, whether it's an athletic director or a coach is being able to get to know your players. And I, I know a lot of times coaches don't want to spend a lot of time on that, or there's like the liability issue, you know, um, you don't want to know too much. The, the least amount of information, you know, the better, the it's more paperwork. If I find out that, you know, she's suicidal or whatever, like <laughs> these are things that a lot of coaches and admin have um, stepped away from because of the liability aspect and FERPA and whatever, right? And so one of the things for me that I try to, um, I try to, the way that I try to approach it is, is, I'm a big Brene Brown fan, right? I'm a big Brene Brown fan. So I'm big on the power of vulnerability. And so a lot of times when I know that someone isn't having a great day, instead of telling them, hey, shake it off, I'll come over or I'll have them come over to like, let's say we're on the basketball court. I'll tell them, hey, come here, talk to me, what's going on? And I ask them to verbalize, you know, what's going on. And if it's something that, hey, can you push through this? Or do you need time? Because at the end of the day, like we want to make sure that you're productive. We want to make sure that, you know, basketball is an outlet for you, not a stressor, you know, and a lot of times like it ends up being both, you know, and a lot of times instead of basketball being an outlet, it becomes a stressor, you know, and it actually makes the mental health um, a bigger issue. And so a lot of times, you know, I've had players that go and play for really toxic coaches that just don't understand them or they don't want to understand them or they don't want to spend time trying to get to know them. And so it's really hard to really ask for full productivity when you don't know when what the player is going through. You know, a lot of these players, <clears throat> especially now you see colleges um, setting up pantries, you know, food pantries on campus or different, different uh, resources for students. Like 
you never know. Some of these college students might just be living off a couple of noodles, you know, and like you expect them to show up to practice and, you know, be fully productive and they're not eating, you know. And so then for me, like when I was finding out that my players weren't having breakfast or that they weren't eating because let's say the cafeteria was closed by the time they got out of practice, like I would have bagels and cream cheese or peanut butter and jelly in my office. And I'm like, hey, you guys come in here. And the more they see that you're willing to help them through these issues, whether they're mental, physical, emotional, the more they are willing to push through for them, you know, but a lot of times if you just push them to the side and you say, hey, shake it off, you're fine. Then they start to say, oh, well, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't care what I'm going through, you know? And so a lot of times we use the example, especially in the mental health field, we use the example that if a, if a player comes in and says, hey, coach, um, I sprained my ankle, you know, what do we say? Oh, rice, rest, ice, compress, you know, whatever. I forgot the E was. And it's like, you know, elevate, right? And we're like, oh yeah, go rest, ice, compress and elevate. But if a player comes to you and says, hey coach, like I'm really just having a day today. Like my, you know, my mother passed away or my father passed away, whatever. I had a, my cat died or I can't find my cat. You know, you tell them like, shake it off, go over there, you know, and so we have to be able to find a way to say, hey, you know what, go take a walk, come right back, or what do you need to do, like, what, what can I help you so that, how can I help you so that you become productive at practice, because a player that's not productive at practice is only going to end up becoming either a cancer on the team, or it's just going to be a distraction, so it's better to have a player being fully tapped in mentally and physically checked in, than to have them like physically there, but not mentally focused, you know? And so it's important to be able to just relate to them, you know? And a lot of times these young adults are growing up in this generation where they don't care if you're an authority figure or not. Like if you disrespect them, they're not gonna show you respect back. Whereas like with me, if I'm talking to someone that is supposed to be a higher up, like I have without a question, even if they're rude to me, even if they, disrespect me I'm supposed to be you know the subordinate and and respect whereas now we've taught these gen this generation that hey if someone is disrespectful they respect given is respect earned right so a lot of these students uh, look at people like you're coming at me in a situation where I never gave you permission to talk to me like that you know and so then you have teachers and coaches and police and whatever what have you getting uh, frustrated with someone that is, you know, asking and for respect, you know, and so a lot of times I think it really comes down to the relationship that you provide is a relationship you're going to return. You know, I, if I give my players respect and I show that I, I, I appreciate them and that I, I see them like literally see like physically, mostly everything just see them like I see you for more than just a player on my team then the easier it is to build rapport the easier it is to have them run through walls for you you know they'll run through walls for you because they know like hey she cares about me more than this these wins and losses you know Pat Summit used to say they don't care what you know until they know that you care you know and so it's like it's very important I think that's something that a lot of coaches forget that these players aren't just you know, a, a jersey number. They're not just there to fulfill a quota, a recruit quota, or whatever. Like they're there sacrificing just as much as the coaches are. Um, you know, and it and it just comes to mutual respect. So 
Yeah, that's one of the main things I would recommend, you know, these coaches, especially young coaches, you know, they try to come in really, really tough. And it's like that helps. And that used to work. But now with these young adults, it's like you have to earn their respect. Yeah, you're so right. And you, you mentioned two of my favorite things, you know, along the way about the relationships and then the famous quote about they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's just it was true back then and it's still true now. Yeah. Right? Patty, this has been really cool getting to know you just a little bit and hearing about, um, you know, the Hooper mentality. But we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You know, uh, you just started your job there at Hartford, but you've been around the athletic block. Uh, and so in a moment, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on the very first job. And I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to hear what Patty Medina is going to put in her athletic director toolbox, which is sponsored by Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. So uh, we're going to give uh, Athletic Surveys a, a shout out, and then we'll be back with Patty Medina's Athletic Director Toolbox Selections. Please stay with us. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack as they sponsor the Athletic Director Toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also gives you access to the usually 95% of the parents and the student athletes that really love your program. And it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can shoot them an email at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We're back with Patty Medina, the Associate Athletic Director at Hartford Community College and the founder of the Hooper Mentality Foundation. Well, Patty, as we said, you know, you certainly know your way around the world of athletics. Uh, but right now, I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new AD on their very first job. What three tools are going to go into Patty Medina's new Athletic Director Toolbox? Um, the number one is uh, relationships, right? So building rapport, when you go into any organization as a leader, you want to build rapport. Um, you want to make sure that you establish relationships with those that you are supposed to oversee. If you're a coach, you know, you want to establish relationships with your players and your assistant coaches. And so um, team cohesion, building rapport is my number one uh, tool. My second one is be genuine and transparent, don't be afraid to ask for help. So a lot of times we think that when we ask for help, we're showing a weakness, right? We try to do so much. We try to be great at everything, which is, which is as you know, most of the time it should be, but at the same time, you wanna be able to show that vulnerable side because it makes you one more approachable and two, um, it, it gives you that 
you know, you don't put yourself in this grandiose atmosphere, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm your athletic director, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know it all, you know, especially coming into an institution where there's people here that already know how to do half the stuff that I'm supposed to be overseeing and doing. Like, I let them teach me how to do certain things because now what happens is there's a transfer of power and they have ownership over my progress and my success because they taught me how to do what I'm doing, you know? And so let's say it's budgeting. There's someone that was doing budgeting while there was no athletic director here and that person teaches me how to do budget. Now they have ownership over my success because they've taught me how to do this, right? And so that's one of the things for me is like being able to ask for help and allow others to have ownership over your success as much as, as you do of your own, you know? And lastly, as I mentioned, I'm big on audiobooks. Um, I have audiobooks that I love. Um, one of them, and and you, it, I hadn't crossed my mind until you said earlier uh, something about outliers. So Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, The Outliers is one of my favorites. Um, there's one that I just listened to last week, and I literally sat and listened to it. It's called Habits for Greatness by, I have it right here. Um, yeah, Habits for Greatness. And then the other one, I have to find the author. Um, it's just a podcast. So it's original podcast by Tim Sharp. So habits for greatness. And then lastly, how to win in the locker room first. And so by John Gordon, which I'm sure you've heard of John Gordon. Um, he did the energy bus, you know, and he did all these other, um, things that, that are really applicable to any career in coaching in any sport. So, um, for me, you know, and, and another thing too is find something that you're passionate about, you know, outside of coaching and how you can how you can make sure that your purpose in life is not just coaching, but that it's it's kind of leaned in from that. You know, what you learn from coaching is applied into your purpose. And so for me, my purpose is to make um, sure that these men and women have leadership and that have role models and have you know, someone that they can see themselves in, but basketball has just been the means in which I've done that, you know, and so now I've been able to, now I'm able to impact student athletes in 13 different sports, you know, we have 13 sports here on campus, so now I'm not only being impactful to a basketball team of 14 players, now I'm being impactful to an entire athletic administration, you know, players, coaches, and staff, and so um, I think for me, those are the, the number one tools that I would keep in my toolbox, you know, and obviously it's something that will continue to build, especially because I'm only on week three. But I think for me, that's the important part because relationships are everything, you know, and you really have people that want to help. And a lot of times we are so accustomed to people getting offended because someone wants to help. Whereas with me, I'm like, I'll take all the help I can get, you know, because it, like I said earlier, it makes them have ownership over my success as well. Well, early on, you talked about uh, you have a lot of enthusiasm and exuberance. And there's <laughs> no question that came out today in a very, very good way. Uh, great tools. Thank and thanks so much for sharing. Once more, uh, if one of our listeners wants to reach out, pick your brain a little bit and also find out more about the Hooper Mentality Foundation, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, hoopermentality.com. My contact information is on that website as well. Um, and Instagram, I'm on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, coach.patty. 
Um, and like I said, I would love to hear feedback, good or bad, um, regardless, because at the end of the day, that's how we get better, right? We get better not being told by, oh, good shot. Like, I want to hear that my bad shot selection as well, you know? So um, I think it's important to be able to bounce off ideas. So, um, and then I'm always open to, to being a mentor, you know, if it's somebody that's looking for a mentor. I think it's important. A lot of times we get shy to ask someone, hey, which can, like, it's weird. Like, hey, can you be my mentor? Like, you know, what? Be my mentor, you know? But again, I've been in that position where I've had to seek out mentorship because a lot of, a lot of people don't just say, hey, I want to come help you. Like, they'll, you'll have to go seek it. So, um, yeah, however I can help. And I appreciate you having me. This is my, you know, uh, I, I love this podcast. I've been able to listen to a few of your guests. And so I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, again, we appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule uh, to join us today and all the best uh, moving forward um, with your job at Hartford, as well as with the Hooper Mentality Foundation. Okay. Thank For you listeners, so much. Remember the zoom recordings of these interviews are uploaded to the educational AD podcast, YouTube channel. We appreciate you tuning in today. Come back again next time for another episode of the educational AD podcast. And we also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can learn more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you by going to hometownticketing.com. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Thank you.